0: religion loves jesus the teacher is even okay with jesus the prophet religion is not okay with jesus the breaker of bondage the transformer
1: of hearts the savior of nations because the real jesus is the anointed one he doesn't just have good teachings he is the the breaker of bondage he will transform you you got to go after knowing him more he's worth it he's worth he's worth your time He's worth your life. And there's there's nothing, this this city, this nation, the nations of the world are not going to be transformed by a satisfied people. They're going to be transformed by lovesick warriors. Because if he's for us, who can be against us? If the king of the universe and all of his goodness, all of his backing, if all of heaven is for you, is standing behind you, supporting you, how, how could anything succeed against you? How could you fail? we could we could change the world that's not just a fun phrase if you'll give your life to this thing to the real thing if you'll find the real jesus the one who burns with eyes of fire if you'll get a real hunger in your belly there is nothing that can stop you it costs much but it's worth the cost it costs every every.
0: this Romans eight. am read. I'm literally gonna read the whole chapter, so I'm just going for it. Uh, There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending our own son in the uh, by sending His own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then brothers, we are debtors not to flesh, to live according to the flesh. Uh, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live according to the spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live for all who are led of the spirit are uh, of the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words and those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Whom shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is the? Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who, is, who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you for your presence here. We thank you that you've you've already uh, tangibly been here with us and made yourself known. So we thank you for that. We honor your presence. We honor the tangibility of your presence. We ask you, make us even more aware of you. Make us even more aware of your presence here. We ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation that reveals Jesus to us. Help us to see Jesus more. Spirit of adoption. Spirit of adoption. Come, come, come. We just ask that any place in us that is living contrary to our sonship, the sonship that Jesus paid for, that you come and fill those empty places, that you bring wholeness, that you bring healing. We thank you, Holy Spirit.
1: We love you. We love you, Jesus. Father, thank you that you're a good father. Amen.
0: So today we're we're going to talk about um this is part of we're doing a series on foundations just like the foundational things what are the foundations of being a disciple of Christ and um we're starting out in the place of especially uh in the place of identity is kind of where we feel like we're supposed to begin and um this is a message uh, I'm calling the deep work of adoption and you know our our whatever you want to call a mission statement vision statement is we exist for Jesus to receive his full reward in our lives our city and the nations of the world because he's worth it and so i want us to com- continue to see things through that lens this isn't necessarily everything we're talking about it'll make your life better <laughs> to to deal with these things and be closer to Jesus that's all true but the point is is not necessarily for us it's for him he's worthy of our full selves. He's worthy of us walking in the sonship that he paid for. Um, so as we talk through all of this, there's, you know, things that will come up in your heart. Um, things that uh, lies that you believe, different things. And just remember, it's because he's worth it, not because of how you feel, not because of what you've done. Uh, you can't earn your sonship. Um, you can only receive it. Uh, another thing is one of our values is authenticity. And like we say, you know, we still this from mercy culture um, in Texas, but we don't do fake. And that is, um, that's a a way that we've, we've lived our lives. Um, I don't want the political church games and acting like everything's okay. I don't want any of that. Can you turn the light on actually? Um, uh, I, I, I want real, like I want real relationships. I want people to be honest. I want, um, vulnerability. Um, I want to be vulnerable. I want to be real with people. I think that's incredibly important. And I think, that's what the world's longing for I think I think people are pretty done with um, with fake fake ministers and uh, facades that are put up. Um so I think it's really important that whether it's you're on a stage or just in a relationship just being real being vulnerable I think it's incredibly important. so I'm gonna do that today. Um, I'm gonna be vulnerable and I'm gonna go through um, some of my journey and so um, I'm gonna do this as quickly as possible. So, um, these guys were around for a lot of this, but when I, when I came to know Jesus, I gave my life to Jesus, struggled, struggled, struggled for about a year and a half. And then I met Holy Spirit and, uh, that, that shifted things pretty dramatically. Trying to follow, follow Jesus without Holy Spirit was not the way to go. Um, and so anyways, I, I did that. And then, um, Once I met Holy Spirit, my life was just absolutely transformed. And this is like the thing that um, even in charismatic and Pentecostal circles, I think we've lost the uh, the awe of how incredible Holy Spirit actually is and how life-changing. When you go from a life of just like, you're just going through the motions and doing all the things. And like, I was, you know, I graduated high school, was about to go to college. I meet Jesus. And that was awesome but and i and i believed and i was surrendered in in most ways not all um but i like i didn't have the empowerment to live out what i had just given my life to and um but i don't i think that we dumb down oftentimes or in our own minds like we do, we don't take into account how amazing and adventurous this life is with holy spirit and some of it's because we've gotten um, too used to him <laughs> and we've been around him long enough that, and, and maybe we've kind of settled in and aren't doing the things we used to do. Um, but I went from boring, typical life of a young, you know, guy, uh, 18, 19 or 18 years old to, oh my gosh, I can lay my hands on someone and get healed. Like I go down the street and people manifest demons like this whole other world opened up to me of adventure and life with God and all this stuff that I don't I think I don't think we take into account. I think we get so focused in on like, oh, well, this is going to change your life for you personally. Like, oh, you're not going to deal with depression anymore. You're and those things are true. But it's like there's, there's this whole other world that's going to open up to you as you come to meet Jesus and, and as you get filled with Holy Spirit. And so that happened to me. Um, my life was transformed, uh, in that aspect, in the, the, uh, the aspect of possibilities, what's possible. Every day was an adventure with God. It was, you know, going to a restaurant was like, are we going to prophesy over the the waiter and waitress? Are somebody going to get healed? Like, is God going to show up here? Um, we've got lots of stories about things like that, where God just showed up in amazing ways in random places. And, um, but in it, I was not being transformed in my soul. And um, and there was many parts of my mind, will and emotions that weren't being transformed. There's many, I was very orphaned. Um, when I met Holy Spirit, basically my whole life was destroyed. So on one hand, it was like all these possibilities. On the other hand, I lost like family, friends, everything was ostracized. Um, and uh, it's very difficult. Um, and that, that caused a lot of, uh, jadedness and things like that, but I was going after it. Within three months of being things, three months within something like that of being filled with Holy Spirit, um, I had seen uh, quite a few crazy miracles, like things that that um, I didn't even know was possible. A few months before that, and then we're you know pulling a guy off a wheelchair in the Milba Mall in Washington, Pennsylvania, outside Pittsburgh. Um, he was hadn't walked since he was seven years old. He was in his late. 20s something like that. And a friend and a friend of mine who I led to Jesus like in December. This is not like January or February something like that. And now we're pulling a guy in a mall out of a wheelchair in front of his mom. He walks, turns back, his mom just starts crying. Like that level of just God moving. And um and then a little bit after that, I was at a car accident where somebody was confirmed dead at the scene, uh, myself and another girl uh, commanded life back into her. And she, she came back. Um, the first time it wasn't medically documented, but then they got her into the ambulance and we felt like we were supposed to gather around the ambulance and pray again. And that time was documented that she was dead for 90 seconds. And, uh, and we commanded life again. And she came back like this is a level of, I was seeing this stuff. And, um, especially in the cultures I was in, uh, you think about in cultures that believe in healing, like the ultimate is seeing somebody raised from the dead. That's like, you're like a super saint or something. Um, and uh, I was treated that way, but I didn't even know the Bible. I just believed. I just believe God is good. I just believe Holy Spirit can do what he said he's going to do. And, uh, I got started getting pulled on and to go speak and I'd go places and people would line up and be like, can you pray for me to see the dead raised and stuff? And I'm like, I don't even really know God. Like, I don't know how to worship. I just believe him. Like he's real and he's here. And everywhere I went, I just lived as though Jesus was beside me. But at the same time I was broken and I was hurting. And so a lot of this came out of my journey with God of healing these places and like having people in my life that could actually deal with the orphan places, um, And so here's, I'm going to go through some symptoms of, of orphan places, um, and kind of speak to them because I think it's important to recognize if you can recognize symptoms, you can get to the sickness. So just like a cough is a symptom, you know, but there's something else causing the cough was the thing causing the cough. And so in these, with these, oftentimes if you're walking in these, the deeper root thing is there's an orphan place in you that needs the spirit of adoption. You need Holy spirit to come and fill it. Um, so first one is unbelief. So this was one that we, um, you know, we look a lot, overlook a lot in ourselves is like, if, if there's places in you that are like, yeah, that the Bible says that, but you know, I'm not sure if that's for me. That's unbelief. That's an orphan place. That's uh oh, that's for them, but not, that's not for, for me. He didn't do that for me. That kind of thing. Even though you might not say that consciously, um, it's that kind of, that unbelief, that, I don't actually believe he's as good as he says he is. Um, and so that one's important. Just ask Holy Spirit, teach me, make this real to me. There are so many things I was reading in the Bible. Actually, worship was one of the things for me. I was, I was like watching people. I, I would encounter God in my gifting often, like in believing God on the street, praying for people and stuff. I'd, I'd feel God then. I'd get into worship settings. Everyone's crying and stuff. And I'm like, I don't get it. Like, I'm trying to do this. I'm raising my hands. I'm doing this stuff. And I don't get it. And I had to ask Holy Spirit continually. I'm like, I'm like, Holy Spirit, I intellectually love Jesus. But I I don't feel in my heart that I love, love him. And I want you to help me love him. And he helped work through the unbelief in me to get me to that place. Unhealthy comparison. So this is like looking at others. Um, and there's a healthy version. There is a a healthy version of comparison where you look to other people to see what's available. And that's really important. That's why we have giftings and stuff in the body. It's not because one person gets that and you don't, it's actually because it's, you're going to see this is available to me and, and I can, I can pull on that. Um, I can go after that and unhealthy comparison is looking at others to see how you don't measure up, how, how, um how you'll never, you'll never be there. Or, you know, why doesn't God do that with me? It's that, that kind of thing. Um, another one's needing affirmation or validation. So I dealt with this one a lot, um, where you constantly need recognition from others. You constantly need people to validate you. You constantly need, um, this can look like prophetic words a lot of times like, Oh, I need just another prophetic word. And then I'll start to believe, this thing about me or God just confirm it one more time. I know you've done it 20 times, right, but just one more. If you just confirm it one more time, I'll actually believe you're going to do this with me. Um, it could look like an unhealthy desire to be known. Um, and so there is a, there's a healthy version of this where there's something that's in you that God's put in you for whatever um, your arena is or whatever God's called you to that actually you want and, and should have a healthy desire for that to manifest in the world, to see that and, and experience that part of God through you. Um, but there's also an unhealthy desire. And I remember I would walk in rooms, like conferences and stuff. And, uh, I would have this thought of like, man, if they only knew who I am, you know, like that kind of, cause I actually, I never had the problem with not believing in who I, who I am. Um, I had kind of the opposite problem where I'm like, they should see it. Um, and uh they're missing out kind of thing and uh and so anyways this can look like having to tell everyone every testimony you have every encounter you have as you see facebook's a great tell on a lot of facebook instagram social media like it's a great tell on a lot of this stuff because people will run to, to social media and post like this is what i just experienced um and not that every time somebody does that it's orphan but Uh, there's a lot of people that they are, they're, they're, how they have a need within them that they're trying to feed by getting validation from other people. And so it looked like I'd get in conversations and have to be like, here's the 16 miracles I saw this week. Um, you know, and, and to kind of be like, do you see, do you see how special I am? Um, uh, another one is needing after that poverty mindset. Um, so poverty mindset is feeling like you have to provide everything for yourself this this you can have millions of dollars in the bank you could be a billionaire and still have a poverty mindset and uh and so that's really important to recognize it it doesn't just mean that you're poor it means that you have a mindset around money that's unhealthy it means that you have this mindset that you always are going to be the one providing for yourself this is probably one that out of everything this is probably the one i've dealt with the most personally and i know that we've we've dealt with is um and this stuff still comes up in my heart. There's still places that come up in my heart with this sort of thing, but it'll make you make unwise choices in the name of, of money. Um, it'll make you, there's times that you'll miss out on opportunities God has or things like that because of you're looking at your bank account to see if you can follow God and not trusting, uh, who he is, even though he's telling you to do something there, there was, there's one instance specifically, I know God told me to go somewhere and I didn't do it because of the money. Um, and I, I was just like, oh, it's not possible, basically. And I shut it down. I, I grieved that afterwards because the Holy Spirit was like, I had this for you and you, you actually didn't go with it. It was one of those healing moments. It was hard. Um, it also can look like self-sabotage. Like we had this whole season where um, we finally were doing a little bit better financially, but uh, everything seemed to keep going wrong. So we like actually had more money coming in. And stuff, but then it would all disappear. So we'd have, you know, now we we were no longer not having enough. We were now having enough and a few hundred extra. But then something would always happen, and that money would disappear. And that would happen over and over again. So we never could save. We could never, you know, pay down debt or any of those things. It was always something would always steal it. And it was like this this place of um, spiritually, we had to deal with something that was impacting the natural around us down to like just a kind of silly story, but we went to the ATM to at a bank that wasn't our bank to deposit um, our, we had to deposit our uh, rent for that month. And uh, we put it in the ATM and the whole ATM shut off. And then we went inside, the manager argued with us, accused of supplying. It was this whole thing where they're like, you didn't put that much money in and all this stuff. And so we get home from that and they're like, yeah, we're going to launch an investigation. Our rent's due. And now they're going to do a multi-day investigation. We have nothing else. And, um, and so that happened. And then, uh, well, so that was one time. And then another time I remember we were frustrated over something else. I don't remember what else happened, but, but the, we got home and we literally, um, we were talking about how frustrated we were over everything. And we had this soup, the little box soups from Trader Joe's. And when you open them, it breaks the seal and she didn't realize that so she opens it we're frustrated and we're talking through all this stuff like what what's going on and she sees the seal is broken and she's like like thinking it came that way and like oh we can have this so she just starts pouring it down the sink and like literally just pours <laughs> talk about self-sabotage like literally just pours our soup down the sink um thinking it was bad um, and luckily yeah. It was, oh, yeah. It was two, wasn't? Because you did the first one, and then we opened the second one. And you're like, "This one's broken too." And then we got a call. Um, we got a call from a prophet in our life who was basically like, "You're you're dealing with self sabotage," and just told us everything that was happening. We're like, "Yeah, we're in it this moment. Like, we're frustrated." Um, but as we started to deal with that power and mindset, and just ask God for you know, like, "Hey, we trust you. We repent um, for believing that we have to do this all on our own," and that sort of thing it all cleared up and stopped. And so there's been seasons of life where that'll start to come back up or I'll just realize the way I'm thinking about something is, is not in line with God. Um, Greed is another goes hand in hand. Um, If I give this, I won't have anything for myself. And that's like a, a, that's one that um, I think probably between the two, that one, that one we've defeated much more um, where it's, you know, typically if that comes up, we're like, okay, we're giving even more. Like we're, we're, we're going to do this. And uh, I've seen that really, you know, a breakthrough in that inability to receive correction. Um, This is kind of a view all authority with suspicion kind of thing, like not trusting that people, um, that God could put people in your life that have your best interests at heart. And so I was in a church, I was a young guy in a church, seeing lots of miracles. People thought I was really amazing. But then as people got, as leadership and stuff got closer to me, they started to see all the orphan stuff and they really didn't know what to do with it. Um, but the one thing they did, they did do regularly was have some hard conversations. And uh, even though they weren't always correct in what they were saying, they were addressing something, even if they didn't have language for it, they oftentimes were addressing something that really was there. And I had to like the Holy Spirit be like, okay, they're saying this, they're diagnosing it as this, but I... Like is that there, and Holy Spirit would be like, no, it's not that, but you are dealing with this, and this is what they're recognizing. They just don't have words for it, and so that would happen quite often. Um, and having those hard conversations, it would drive everything in me, all that, all that, um, anything that was in, against authority and not being able to receive correction and all that. It would bring it up, and um, and this I know better kind of thing would come out of me. And uh, thankfully, God constantly had me having hard conversations to deal with that. Um, self-protection is another one. So this is like running away when it hurts. Um, so this, you can do this with God, you can do this with friendships, you can do this with the church, with work, with your calling, you could be building a business and when it starts to hurt, you run away. Um, it's ultimately a lack of trust. It's, um, in relationships, it's kind of this, if I let you in, you're going to hurt me. Um, And, uh, and so it's, it's keeping people away because of that. It also can be, um, a lot of times it's seen, well, I'll talk about that in a second, but, um, yeah. So self-protection, uh, having to, trying to, it's an unhealthy way of trying to guard your heart, not let people in, not let God deal with things he wants to deal with. We do this a lot with God more than I think we're honest about. It's like, God's actually trying to poke at something and we're just like, Putting up a wall, like we'll talk about anything but that. God, another one is shame. So, shame simply defined is fear that you don't deserve love or that you have to earn it. And so, what shame looks like is I did something I know I wasn't supposed to do or I got convicted about, and now I have to wallow in it several days before and kind of really show God I'm sorry before He'll take me back or before I'll accept that He'll take me back um and so shame gets you to shut down it gets you to back away shame in relationships um will cause you to put up walls that shouldn't be there whether with God or people um or a church or whatever it might be um the next one is rejection um so rejection is feeling like no one loves you or you're not good enough it results in never being able to like be like as in be present never able to be where you are. Um, I had a lot of rejection where I would be in situations and because of what was happening in me and what I felt, I would go into those situations with that feeling and believe that everyone felt the same way (laughs) about me. Um, it's projecting basically. And so there's a lot of people you can You can tell sometimes when people are walking in this, they're they're walking in rejection. They come across very defeated and that sort of thing. Even if they're speaking confident or whatever, um, you can tell something's off. Uh, Another one is a critical spirit. Um, So lots of opinions of everyone else. Um, I think the church suffers from the critical spirit uh, quite a bit. Unfortunately, we as believers have not sacrificed this. Um, We have lots of opinions and we love to share them. And unfortunately, social media has made that even more possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like I had somebody send me something about um, I've had different people ask me about Asbury and the revival happening and and all that. And I know people have all their different opinions. And I was just like they sent me something that was a little bit um, critical. And I was just like, I've I've I'm at the place in my life. I've decided not to have an opinion like I just my opinion does not matter um, it's not it, I don't care and I would rather not speak against something God's doing <laughs> and find out later it's God um, and I'd rather if people Jesus being proclaimed people are getting touched like awesome let's go for it and so I love what's happening there personally but um, people always have experiences or, or have opinions over others experiences and that sort of thing or um, this can look in relationships a lot like or people around you like discerning things and like all this uh, you know thinking you know better for them than they they know for themselves and it's just like it's so much better just being in place that are or just like god you handle them self-control is a fruit of the spirit not controlling others so i'll let you take care of them another one is hidden sin so this the idea behind hidden sin is if anyone finds out they won't think i'm as good as i want them to um you know and so that a lot Of people are concerned, like, oh, if I open up about this, will you, will, will the person I'm opening up to, will they think less of me? Will they, will this always be in their mind when I go to them? If I, you know, then tell them about something God's doing, are they gonna see it through the lens of that? Um, and I know that people do that kind of stuff, so like, there's a reason that we feel that way. It's like sometimes people react that way, and so as a people, we have to be really gracious and merciful and loving, and, and in those moments, not do that and protect ourselves from that. But also on the other side, like people in stuff like that, it's just better to get out in the open because that's where shame and the hiddenness shame grows uh, and all those sorts of things. And it will eventually push you uh, the wrong direction really far. Um, Another one, uh, this is similar to what I said before about needing affirmation or validation, but lacking significance. Um, so this is the opposite of the one I, I dealt with where I said, like, I really got I, I like I believed I'm on this earth to change the world and all this stuff. Like I never I didn't need anybody to convince me of that. Um, I need somebody to help me balance that with the fact that Jesus is greater than me, <laughs> you know, and like bring that pride down and deal with that youthful pride I had um, without shutting me down and without killing my spirit. And I've had great people do that. Uh, Brad McCoy, one of our uh, fivefold overseers, was great at that. Um, but this one lacking significance. So this, this a lot of times we'll have people running for another prophetic word, same thing, trying to get convinced that they're significant, trying, you know, really needing others to believe in how significant they are. Um, and, uh, I've seen this a lot, a lot of times what this will look like in somebody is they constantly feel like they're bothering you by asking for prayer or asking for, and like, they just don't, they don't have a value for themselves. Um, and they don't see the value that God has for them. And so, or the, the calling or the, um, anything like that. And I, I remember, um, a father in our life, uh, with Milka, like had a conversation with her. Uh, can I share this? Like the, okay. Probably should ask before this. Um, but basically he was, he had a conversation with her confronting her, her idea of her significance and like what she believed about herself and all that. and, he confronted the fact that her significant significance at the time was all tied into her marriage to me. And it was like, basically like, Oh, he's significant and I'm married to him and I'm his wife. And he was like, you know, if he was gone, basically the idea he was confronting is if he's gone, then you're not significant anymore. You know, and that's not your Significance can't be tied there. And no matter what happens in our marriage or anything like that, like you've got to know who you are and the significance you carry. And when he confronted that day, she completely, it transformed her and and who she is. And she really needed like a father to speak that significance. Um, another one is trying to do the giftings of God without the spirit of God. And so this can look like an addiction to ministry because you can move out of your anointing, your uh, gifting, the thing that God's given you and uh, and not have the Holy Spirit at all or have it be anointed by another spirit this is what psychics and things like that like i've learned over the years um it's i'm not impressed by how accurate somebody can prophesy i've had people absolutely read my mail that i'm like i don't care like that i knew all that you know like that doesn't um also i'm not uh not appreciative of that but if it's not if they're just moving out of gifting and there's no nothing else from god there it's like it's not actually beneficial Um, like what, what is the point of that? And so, um, psychics do that all the time. They can tell you all kinds of stuff about you. They have a gifting, like real, real ones. Um, not the fake ones, but real psychics, real witches, real, whatever. They can tell you stuff. They can pull on that because they have giftings. They have real access to spirit realm level stuff, um, just without the Holy Spirit. Um, and so a lot of people end up addicted to ministry. Um, so it's, Addicted to addiction to ministry without ministering to him can look like abusing power and like something to remember and i you'll hopefully this will get driven home today is like power in the hands of orphans is dangerous and um you can be an orphan as a young teenager you can be an orphan as an 80 year old person you know and and everything in between and if we don't allow holy spirit to deal with us and and heal us um we will treat other people and we'll have interactions and and lead or whatever whatever our our thing is we'll do that out of that place and it's very dangerous the last one we'll talk about there's probably a million more but another one is being led by feelings instead of the holy spirit feelings are important feelings actually matter but they're like a they're like your gas light on your car when when your gas light comes on it's you God telling you to fill up, you know, or it's it's your car saying, "Hey, we're out, we're running low on gas." Um, that's all feelings are. They point to something greater than themselves. They're they're there to to signal you something's happening and you have a need. Um, they can't lead us, and if they lead us, they lead us down bad places. And so, um, sons are led by the Spirit of God, as we read in Romans eight. So. guys good so far okay um i also there's a guy named jack frost who has a really great list i found last night it's on the app already if you go under my fire um and then this month it's already on there you can get on there and read through and i think he did a really good job of giving a similar list that uh, i like some of the language he used really well be good to hear from a different voice so sonship is an invitation so everything in the kingdom is available but few few actually take hold of it So, we, we daily get to choose which realm we, we live from. So, his, his death bought us salvation, his resurrection bought us life, a new life. Um, but we all know you can be saved and still have broken places. Like we experience that um, where we have, have places that are broken, in our lives still are places that still need healing, places that still um, need sanctification. And we're in the process of sanctification. Well, in, the, in a similar way, you can be saved filled with the holy spirit just like me you can be seeing miracles happen you can be seeing all this stuff and still very much have places that are orphaned in your life still very much be walking in a place that you're just looking for somebody to believe in you looking for somebody to to value you looking for you know whatever it might be so john uh 1 10 through 12 um you, you don't have to turn there unless you want to uh, Starting verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many, uh, as, many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but God. So right, it says, he gave us the right to become children of God. So right implies there's responsibility. We now have the right to do it, but we have the choice. Um, Are we gonna step into our position as sons of God or are we not? Um, Yeah. The The world desperately needs to see what it looks like to be God's family. And that's a lot of what Romans 8 is talking about. The world, literally even creation, is waiting for the sons of God just to rise up. I, I believe earthquakes and volcanoes and all the craziness you know that we're seeing naturally and stuff is the earth groaning waiting for the true church to rise the true the sons and daughters of God not just people that believe in Jesus but the, those who have been so wrapped up in the spirit of adoption um, that that when they walk in the room that orphans are made sons um, that's that's the 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 family of God um, fatherlessness is rampant it's one of the you know, we could talk about that forever. It's one of the uh, craziest issues, especially in our culture today. Um, not only here, but all over the world, but in the US, it's one of our biggest issues, probably our biggest issue, because uh, everything else stems from it. Um, but we desperately need to be consumed by the spirit of adoption. I, I, I'll i talk about it in a little bit, but I believe what God's doing in the earth is important. What's happening is real. Um, I believe we're seeing revivals break out but revivals will be crushed uh by people not having fathers and mothers to to help them and heal them and and all those sorts of things it i don't think god wants just another revival of orphans and broken people um that just stay orphans and stay broken um but now they're just religious orphans like that's not what he's looking for God is looking for, looking to make us a people that are totally convinced of who he is and who we are. So let's talk about the disciples. I think that they are such a great example to us, and we can learn a lot. I'm not going to read all these scriptures. And when I say disciples, I'm using this very generally. Sometimes there's one of them. Sometimes there's all of them. Um, but I'm just going to go through some of the things they experienced. Because they they really show us what following Jesus without the leading and revelation of the Holy Spirit looks like. Um, so let's. I'm going to go quickly through these. So a couple of the disciples were actually um, at the baptism when Jesus was baptized, as and they were John's disciples at the time. Uh, they were John the Baptist's disciples. So we can deduce that they were most likely there at the moment that the heavens opened up, that God spoke from heaven, a dove comes down, and God audibly says in front of everyone, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. They saw Jesus turn water into wine. They saw Jesus raise the dead back to life. They watched him calm storms. He and Peter walked on, walked on water. They witnessed that or walked on water. Uh, he healed every sickness, disease, ailment, or injury of those that came to him. He gave them the same authority to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons, so much so they were surprised by the fact demons would even listen to them. Um, he multiplied food twice, and you see this in John 6, and then again in John 7, so he had already done it once, and then they get to the next time, and they're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Like, they didn't remember that that had just happened. Um and even if it had had been a while, it's like the most it could have been is three, he was with him three years. So even if it's like remembering back, remember that time he multiplied all this food for thousands of people? Um, <laughs> Lazarus was raised from the dead after several days. Uh, many had momentary revelations. So even had revelations in the moment of like, oh, you're the Messiah. You're him. You're the one we've been waiting for. Different, different people at different times made different claims of that. He... He predicted, predicted his betrayal in John 13. Probably my favorite, the transfiguration. So Peter, James, and John are taken up with him. You know, Jesus is seen as the other. He's seen in all of his glory. Moses and Elijah appear. Peter wants to make tents and, for each of them and just stay there, all that. And then God also, once again, speaks from the heavens, says, this is my son. Um, so they witnessed that. The tombs uh, were opened. So when Jesus was raised from the dead, it talks about Matthew 27, that not only was Jesus raised from the dead, but the tombs opened and a bunch of other people were raised from the dead too. Um, And so, and they were seen walking around Jerusalem, which is wild. The, the disciples saw him, uh, they see him alive as after the resurrection and they still doubted. So let's, so that was their experiences. Let's look at their actions. Like, We would think if we witnessed all of that, we would believe, you know, like that's the the thought. And I always thought like, oh, if somebody just experienced a miracle, if they just experienced, we actually talked about this on the Friday night. Um, If they just experienced more, they believe. Uh, But the truth is uh, the human heart is so fickle and that the children of Israel saw the great signs, wonders and miracles outside of Jesus's ministry. And they constantly were doing everything they could to not believe. Um, they'd say they believe, and then they wouldn't, they'd build a, you know, build a calf and turn away and complain and all that. So here's, here's the disciples, same thing. They just saw all the things we talked about, including Jesus in all of his glory, at least three of them, Peter, James, and John seeing him in all His glory as the other God oddly speaks. And they spend their time arguing over who is greater. They want to call fire down on a Samaritan city. Once again, power in the hands of orphans is dangerous. Uh, They had Holy Spirit move through them. This is all while being orphans, like still operating as orphans, even though Jesus had brought them in as sons. They encountered Jesus as the other during his transfiguration and received the the revelation that he was the Messiah. Yet they moved in self-protection. When Jesus was was, uh, taken, um, arrested to be crucified, they immediately abandoned him. They forgot everything he did once he died on the cross. Like he, had, everything he had said to them, he predicted it was going to happen. It happens. And they went home questioning what all that was about. And Peter even went back to what he knew before Jesus, which was fishing. And so the truth is, if, if, they, if they actually believed what he had said, they would have been waiting by the grave on the third day because of he, he predicted it. He prophesied it. But they didn't actually believe it would have been waiting outside his tomb, um, and they all they all abandoned him at, at his crucifixion. Only one disciple was there, and it was John, who was many people don't know this. Most people know John the Baptist was his cousin. John the Baptist was his second cousin. John was his first cousin, so John actually had the responsibility. It was a, a, a family responsibility to, to be there. It was like, hey, you're going to take care of my mom. Like this is um, because I'm going. You're the next in line to take care of her. Kind of idea. And so he was there out of obligation, uh, relational obligation, not because of loving Jesus, but because of Mary. (laughs) Pretty interesting. And so the the spirit of adoption is what helps us see him rightly. And so without the Holy Spirit, they could not understand. Without Holy Spirit making it clear to them, they couldn't, even though Jesus was telling them, even though he was in front of them, even though he was doing the miracles, they actually couldn't see. (laughs) They couldn't truly see who jesus was and here's another thought jesus was love perfected and actually you know in in john 14 he said um, to philip philip said lord show us the father and it is sufficient for us he said have i been with you so long and and yet you have not known me philip he who has seen me has seen the father so how can you say show us the father so they not only walked with love perfected, they walked with the perfect Father. You know, so it's easy to look at like, oh, you know, I, I'm I'm in this place because I didn't have my parent. You know, my parents weren't great, or this happened, or whatever. And, and there's truth that there's definitely truth in some of that. Or I was in this church and this happened. But even with the perfect Father, <laughs> like Jesus walked as the perfect Father, he was the most perfect Father to ever walk the earth. These guys were with him for three years, and even then. They were still acting as orphans. So we we actually desperately need the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm going to read Ephesians 1, 13 through 23. It says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation... And believed in him were sealed with the promise of Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. So the spirit it's the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So it's wisdom and revelation are tied together. Revelation. The idea of revelation is not, I was taught this concept and now I understand the idea of revelation is a sheets pulled back. And now I see. And so when you experience revelation, it's not somebody taught you something. It's like, Oh, I get it now. It's like, it it drops in your spirit. It's like, Oh, this is, I get this now. I get this concept. This just became real to me. And so, um, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. And the spirit of wisdom and revelation reveals Jesus. And verse 18, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. So it's the eyes, your, your heart has eyes, and they're enlightened, they're able to see. That you may know the hope to which he has called you, which, uh, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us, that who believe according to the work of his great might that we worked uh, that we worked in Christ when he raised him that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand as right hand in the heavenly places far above the rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So the point is without the spirit of revelation revealing Jesus to us, Jesus could stand in front of us and we would have no clue. We we could experience Jesus. He, he could walk up to you. And we see this on the road to Emmaus. They're walking with Jesus, resurrected Jesus, talking with him. Their hearts are burning. So it's even similar to what they experienced previously. Like, did our hearts not burn within us? Their hearts are burning. They're talking to this man and they don't even realize it's him. Uh, I heard Ben Hinn say this once. He said, without the Holy Spirit coming to earth, Christianity would not have lasted a week. When the Holy Spirit came, he made Jesus more real to the disciples than when they were with Jesus. So Jesus, actually, who Jesus was, was more real to the disciples in the apostolic part of their life than it was in the walking with the in the flesh Jesus, three years of their life. That's pretty crazy. So the question is: Was Jesus's was Jesus's uh, ministry with the disciples pointless if they left it orphaned still? Um, why why didn't you know why Jesus need to be with them for that long? Why couldn't he have just sent the Holy Spirit? Um, and the answer is you know, no, it wasn't pointless. He he was planting seeds in their heart that Holy Spirit would come and water. He was, there's something about fathering and mothering that you begin to soften the hearts of somebody um, and through those points and you begin to plant those seeds and Holy Spirit, the spirit of adoption can water those in them. And so that's what he was doing. And and Jesus does the same thing with us now. He plants seeds in our heart and, and he begins to to gently work through those things. And then Holy Spirit comes and waters those things in our life. Jesus is real to us, and if Jesus is real to us, it's only because of the working of Holy Spirit. We've never physically seen Him. Um, you know, He isn't. He isn't here. He's at the right hand of the Father. Um, but Holy Spirit makes Him real to us, and so we can read about Him, and um, and He could present Himself in a dream or whatever, uh, but we wouldn't know without the Holy Spirit. We desperately need Holy Spirit. And, you know, it was kind of crazy. All self-protection, all of, you you see this with Peter. Peter, once again, seeing the transfiguration, one of the craziest supernatural encounters, experiences uh, recorded in the Bible. Probably the craziest, really. Um, Yet he denies Jesus three times, runs away. He's a coward, not even at the cross, not even at the crucifixion. Um, But then the spirit of adoption comes. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. And he goes from that to being bold to proclaiming you killed Jesus. Like one of the most fiery sermons in the new Testament, Peter gives at the outpouring of Holy spirit. And, um, and so self-protection, he was in self-protection before and it dealt with, it was dealt with and Holy spirit comes and he's now in a place of, uh, of sonship. It's really beautiful. And so they became, they went from being disciples um, to becoming apostles. Um, they became fathers of the church. And so this is, it's a continual work. Like we see this, even in the book of Acts, we see them constantly being this place of like, we need more boldness. We need more, like any place that fear has come in any place that intimidation, any place, you know, like God make us even more bold, make us even more bold so we can proclaim more. Um, and it's really beautiful. And so you see fresh and fillings over and over again, And so we want to live as a people that are are living out of that, that fresh and filling day by day um, that we don't let things creep in. Uh, So the Holy Spirit helps us see Jesus rightly, but the Holy Spirit also helps us see ourselves rightly. And so um, knowing him reveals and heals orphaned places in us. And so you don't have to get introspective. You don't have to constantly be looking for something Um, allow him to reveal it. He will reveal it. You'll recognize it. Be like, oh, wow, I'm in self-protection. All this is a poverty mindset. Like, and then go to the father. Um, I don't believe the orphan spirit is a demon. I know people, some people believe that. I believe it's a void. I think it's an emptiness, a broken place um, that the demonic will come and partner with. I don't think it's a demon to cast out. Um, And so I think it's important to recognize that, like people who are dealing with this stuff, like maybe that's led them into partnering with something more demonic. Um, but ultimately it's a place that needs filled by Holy spirit and it needs healed by Holy spirit. And it's kind of like the example I, I use is like, it's like resetting a bone. A lot of times in the moment when God's dealing with one of those things it like, it can be painful resetting the bone. Um, but once it's back in alignment, it can heal properly and you can grow. Um, and so there's no shame. I want to make it really clear. Like there's no shame if God's pointing out bad fruit or, you know, whatever. Um, as God God brings up stuff, like there's literally, there's no shame in that. Um, it's exciting. And actually, you know, uh, you're being formed into the image of Christ, but also like anything he's disciplining is proof you're his. Because um, you don't discipline kids who aren't your own. You discipline your children. And that's what he does. So it's, if he's working on something in you, it's because you're his and he's claiming you. Uh, It's actually really beautiful. So people who are like, have never been corrected by the Lord. I'm like, I don't know that you know him Um, because he does not just keep you where you are. He heals you and grows you. He prunes you. So um, I'm going to give you a little list of orphans versus sons. We're like here at the end. Orphans are led by feelings, insecurities, brokenness, hurt. Pain, rejection, etc. Sons are led by the Spirit. Orphans seek affirmation anywhere and everywhere. Sons seek affirmation from the Father Himself. And I'll I'll pause there real quick. One of the things I ended up doing is I realized I was ministering out of a place of like hoping that people would. Uh, it was more about the people. It was more like I hope they receive this, and I hope uh, you know, one's like upset about it, or you know, whatever. And I just realized, I was like, that's that's fear of man, and that's not okay, and I'm not here to please people. And so I started instead of, um, and also I'd like, at the end, wait to see, like, is anybody going to come up to me like, oh, that was so good, or this really impacted my life, or whatever. And I got to this place where I was like, okay, God, I'm not going to need that anymore. I'm just going to come to you. And I would go to him after when I would preach, regardless of what anybody said, um, and I'd be like, Father, did I make you proud? Is, is this what you wanted? Did I, did I do what you asked of me? And sometimes you'd say yes. And other times he'd be like, yes, but <laughs> you said that. And I didn't say that, you know, or, you know, different things. And then be like, Father, forgive me, you know, not in condemnation, not any of that, but like, I want to, I just want to honor him and I want my affirmation to come from him. And that's where we all need to live is in that place of like, am I being affirmed by him or am I seeking this in everyone else around me? Orphans always live in a place of self-protection. Sons live to lay their lives down and go low. Orphans seek to take a place of honor. Sons allow the father to raise them up in honor. This one was really important uh, to me personally. Is like I kept getting put in rooms with some pretty amazing people. And uh, I I made a point of following what Jesus taught about I'm not going to take the head of the table. And I would always go sit at the end. I'd find the furthest point and sit and place myself there, and uh, I got to watch that story play out over and over again. Where I'd get pulled up, you know, if it wasn't at the beginning, towards the end or something, I'd get pulled up, and they'd like set me right with, you know, if it was a global speaker or something, and be like, "Hey, do you have anything you want to talk to them about?" It was really cool to see that. Versus, I I was around people or saw people do the opposite, and they would always place themselves, and it left them always in this place of wanting, and it was like always trying to get somebody to to recognize them or or spend time with them or whatever. Um, So in due time, you will be lifted up, raised up. Uh, Orphans are concerned about being known or liked on this earth. Sons are concerned with being known in heaven. Orphans feel the need to prove or validate themselves or perform for love. Sons are validated in their place and knowing him, knowing they are loved. So we don't have to do anything to earn his love. We have it. And out of that, we, we flow. Orphans do th- the things of God to earn his love and affection, which is performance. Sons respond to being loved and cherished by God by doing things that please him. So it's not to earn love. It's propelled by love. Orphans run from repentance and discipline. Sons, embracing it, sons embrace it knowing though it hurts, it shows they are his. Orphans take the discipline of God as a sign they failed or lack value. Sons receive the, the discipline gladly knowing it displays how loved they truly are. And I put again, you don't spank kids that aren't yours. Um, but I think this, this is really important. Orphans take the discipline as God as a sign they failed or lack value. If that's your response when God points something out, that's a really clear sign you're in, you're in an orphan place. If whenever God brings up something and convicts you of something, if it takes you that place, of like, oh, man. Or if somebody brings something to you and it's like, hey, I recognize this. Does it take you to this place of I failed? I, I messed up? I, you know, whatever. Um, that's the wrong perspective. A son is excited that uh, that God's disciplining. And, you know, even though it hurts, it's like, oh, thank you. I, I want to grow. I want to. I'm encouraged by this. I mean, and, you know, so. Um, I've been very encouraged by the prophetic words I've received over the years that have corrected, corrected my path. Cause it means to me, it shows me God cares. He actually cares enough to step into my situation to speak and, and get me on the right path, even if it hurts my ego. So at the beginning we read Romans eight, I'm going to just read 12, uh, through 31 real quick. So then brothers, this is just kind of book ending this. So then brothers... Let this, let this actually, I dream about this last night. Uh, Let just the scripture wash over you as, as a reader, just listen, not let it minister your spirit. So then brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But by, but if by the spirit you put to death, the deeds of the body and you will live for all who are led by the spirit of God, are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back in fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So we didn't, we didn't receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, so fear isn't ours. Instead, we have a good father. We receive the spirit of adoption as sons. Verse 16, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. So not only we children, but we're actually heirs. And to be heirs is to the kingdom. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, providing we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. For the creation waits uh, with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Creation is eagerly awaiting you to be revealed for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it and hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain freedom, the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves for we, have the first fruits of the Spirit. Uh, we who have the first uh, the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait and wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. So just as we hope for something we can't see, but we wait in patience, uh, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray. So just as we can't see the thing we are hoping for, we actually don't know what we, we can't see what we're supposed to pray for either. And it says, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, but the Spirit intercedes for all the saints according to the will of God. If you want to be in the will of God and, and pray His will, the best thing to do is pray in the Spirit. Uh, and we know that those who love God, for those that love God, all things work together for those uh, for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. So all things, no matter how good or bad they are, they'll be worked together for your good because we're called according to his purpose for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of a son in order that he might be the firstborn of many brothers and those whom he predestined, he also called and those whom he, he called, he also justified and those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So here's just a couple final, final remarks here. When we allow the spirit of adoption to have its work in our lives, we become not only convinced of who he is, but also convinced of who we are. And both are important. We need to be convinced of who he is. and We need to be convinced of who, who we are. The spirit of adoption makes it real to us, makes uh, his, his perfect love real to us. And that when the spirit of adoption comes, it means that there's nothing lacking. Nothing's broken within us. His love helps restore us. It builds us up and sets fire to anything. Uh, his love sets fire to anything it rests on. It sets fire to our heart. It sets fire to our lives in the best way possible. It's consuming. And not only that, he makes war against anything that stands against his love. So God. God is calling us to be a people that is that are convinced of uh, that we're convinced of who He is, that we're convinced of who we are, and that we continually choose sonship. So as as things come up, as like as a symptom that we talked about comes up or whatever, we're adamant that that comes into submission with who we're called to be because He's worth it. He's worth us walking as sons and daughters of God. Um, leaders, it's so important that we, in this room, um, that we learn this and take this on and, and walk in sonship because it's only in that place that we become, we can become fathers and mothers and like, and that's spiritual parenting has nothing to do with age. It has to do with your maturity in in Christ and how much you've allowed the the spirit of adoption to work in you. And I believe we're on the brink and we're seeing the first fruits of uh, a major revival. And what happened in the Jesus movement in the 70s, when you really get into the history of it, there was a lot of amazing stuff happening where the hippies are getting saved. A movie just came out about it, which I don't know how it is yet. But um, the hippies are getting saved. God's moving, all this stuff. But the people in the in the religious establishment at the time didn't know how to father and mother them. They, for the most part, and some tried um, the best they could with what they knew. And things like the shepherding movement were birthed out of it, which was very controlling and cult like in many ways. Um, and uh, and so I, I just think I, I think God's been waiting for a moment for revival where there's people that are ready to receive these these people he wants to send that he wants to bring into the body and that we can love them and and help them heal once again you know planting the seeds because we can't control anybody we can't make them become what we want them to be Uh, we can't make them whole Um, but being the people that can be there and love them through it and point them the right direction and have the hard conversations and um, in love and I, I think that that's what God's preparing us for. I've been saying this for years now, but I, I'm now we're starting to really see it on a national scale, the stuff that's starting to happen. And I'm like, okay, we're getting closer to this, closer than ever before. Um, and I believe what we're doing here and stuff, we're going to have a lot of, especially young people, that's been prophesied over and over again, that we're going to have a lot of young college-age students. Um, and so we got to be ready to receive them and love them, and they need they need what we have and the experience we have and all those things, but they, they also need us to not control them. They need us to not walk in brokenness towards them or move out of these things. Um, they need us not to find our identity and, and being their discipler or something, you know, like there's all this stuff that if we don't deal with us and get prepared, um, then there's going to be problems. And so that's, that's part of what we're doing. So, so let's just, we're going to take a moment and pray. Um, so Proverbs one twenty three says, "Turn at my rebuke; surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you." And so I think the first thing um, I'm a I I really believe in repentance, and um, and I think it's really important to to repent. So if God's highlighted something to you, if there was one of the the symptoms or something I said, or Holy Spirit just highlights something that maybe I didn't even say. Um, let's just take a moment and um, um, let's just take a moment and just repent for those places. Thank you, God. And now, let's um, we're gonna just together let's ask Holy Spirit, the spirit of adoption, to come and fill us and um. We don't have to beg. You just yield. And uh, one time God gave me the image of yielding being like floating, floating in water. Like that, where you just get yourself to be just buoyant enough that you don't have to do anything. You can just float on top of the water. Just yield. Yeah, so Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of adoption. And we just ask, spirit of adoption, come and have your, your work in us. Have your deep work in us. Those places that we, we, we haven't wanted to touch, those places that you're poking your finger at now because you want to deal with, come, come, fill those places. And not only that, I just ask that, you know, your word says that you pour out your spirit On all flesh, and turn the hearts of the fathers to sons and sons to the fathers. God, let there be such a spirit of adoption over every person in this room that orphans are drawn to them. Whether saved or not saved, whether they know you or they're a pre-believer, we just ask God that you put such a spirit of adoption that people feel whole, that they feel affirmed, that they feel loved when they get around us. They feel drawn in.
1: Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Fire Podcast with Ryan Rhodes. Fire Movement has a mission to bring people face-to-face with the real Jesus. If you love this show and ministry, please consider subscribing, leaving a five-star rating, and most importantly, sharing the podcast with others on social media. Also, would you please consider one-time or monthly support to help us sustain and grow this show so that others can be stirred to hunger for more of the real Jesus? You can do so by going to firemovement.com support, Venmo at firemovement, or cash app dollar sign firemovement. Thank you.